Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 541. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Let's read our passage. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Paul's in Corinth on his third missionary journey. He intends to go to Rome after he goes to Jerusalem with the collection. His desire is to go to Rome to help strengthen them. Now, he doesn't intend to stay in Rome for a long time. What he wants to do is go to Rome and then go on to Spain. But Rome has not had an apostle there to help get the church really grounded. And that's his desire. And he sent it in this letter to give him a theological foundation to the gospel. He began talking about sin, the universal problem of sin, that everyone's a sinner and needs forgiveness of sin. And that's the only solution to sin is forgiveness through faith, to be justified by faith, declared righteous by God. And he's at a section now talking about what it looks like after justification, that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're now slaves to God. We're no longer under condemnation, but now live in the freedom of Christ. Chapter 8 is really about life in the Spirit. There is life in the Spirit. We are adopted in the Spirit. We experience God's glory through the Spirit. And now he's talking about assurances. So let's uh, dive into it. Verse 31, he says, What then are we to say about these things? Well, what things? Well, could just be the immediate things he's been talking about, about this life in the spirit. Or he could really be looking back over the whole letter, everything up until now. I don't know if there's any clear answers to which, but the whole point is he's just summing up. You know, I've been talking about a lot of things here, so what more do we have to say about these things? He says, if God is for us, who is against us? Now, he doesn't say who would be against us. And that's not the point. The point is that God is for us. So if God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us because God is the creator. God is the ruler of all. God is sovereign. So as long as God's for us, then nothing else matters. Verse 32, he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? As part here, it shows how big a deal it is to be in a relationship with God. He didn't 
spare his son, but allow Jesus to die on a cross for us. That's how big a deal it is to be known by God. He says he will grant us everything. Does that mean give us everything we want? Well, the context here is really talking about kind of the the end times judgment. It's more of a judicial sense of things here. He's talking about when we stand before God, who's going to condemn us? When we stand before God, who's going to accuse us? And the whole point there is since we're justified by God, that's all that matters. So this idea of grant us everything, I think it's more in a end times context, but he may be looking back to words like he had back in verse 28, where he said that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Where he's looking at the idea of living out God's plan. So the idea, though, is not we get what we want, but we get what God wants us to have so that we can do what God wants us to do. Verse 33, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? And again, it's a kind of rhetorical question. If God has justified us, God has declared us righteous, then who could accuse us? I use the term God's elect. It's not a term he's used yet in the book of Romans, but elect just means chosen. When you elect someone to an office, you choose them. And so to be elected is to be chosen. And we throw that term around as the people that God has chosen. God has chosen people to be justified. And often in the Bible, we call them the elect. So who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Well, God is the one who justifies. So his contrast here is it doesn't matter who who accuses. It doesn't matter who condemns. God's the one who justifies, and that trumps everything. Verse 34, who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He's also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So the idea who would condemn, who would accuse, who would bring a charge, well, is it Satan? The Bible gives a picture of Satan accusing us. In fact, the word Satan means accuser. Uh, Our enemies, our earthly enemies, bring accusations against us. That would be not in a final judgment sense, but now being accused by people. Our own sin accuses us. And it doesn't matter. He doesn't spell it out because the point is, since we have been declared just, we have been justified, declared righteous, declared innocent, any accusations, any condemnations don't matter. What matters is what God has said. And he points out that Jesus died, but it's more than that. Jesus died, was raised. That's referring to taking care of salvation. But then he goes on to say, and now Jesus is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So this is speaking of ongoing here and now, not just a final judgment kind of thing, but an assurance that God cares about what's going on in our lives even right now. Verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He's making a shift here from the first part. He was looking at more of a a judicial guarantee for the last day. Now it's shifting to more of an assurance 
for living between now and that last day. So when it comes to the last day, to judgment, doesn't matter what anybody else says. All that matters is what God has already said. But in the meantime, we've still got life to go through. And there's assurances that God is going to get us through it. So as we go through life, is anything going to separate us from the love of Christ? And he lists several potential things. Affliction, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. And it's just things he's mentioning. It's not all inclusive, but the whole point there is a lot of bad things can happen. Are these things going to separate us from Christ? Well, the assumed answer is no, they won't. Then he quotes Psalm. He says, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. This is from Psalm 44, verse 22. Earlier it said, we have this inheritance, and the here and now the inheritance is suffering, but the future inheritance is glory. So this goes along with that idea of suffering, and he just mentioned it, and is that suffering actually going to separate us from Christ? No, but we do have this suffering. Now, verse 37, he answers the question, can these things separate us from Christ? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, more than conquerors. What he's saying is more than just conquering the afflictions. We have all these afflictions, all these bad things that happen. Then are they going to separate us from Christ? No, no. We conquer those things because we're more than conquerors. So that means we do more than just conquer these adversaries, these adversities, these things that crop up. He goes on to explain in verse 38, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now is that an all-inclusive list? Well, pretty much. It's hard to come up with things that wouldn't be included there. And his point is, all these things happen. Nothing is going to separate us from Christ. And so we can live with confidence that God will get us through life to bring us to that final judgment where we've already been justified. We don't have to fear the final judgment. But in the here and now, we have been told that our here and now inheritance is the suffering. As we go through the sufferings, the afflictions God's going to sustain us. He promised Christ intercedes for us even now. And the relationship with God is so strong, nothing can separate us from this relationship with God. We have been declared righteous and we've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit and nothing can change that. And so we can go through life with the confidence that God will get us through all these things. I remember he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. They're Christians. They've accepted Christ as their Savior. They've been justified by faith, but they don't have a lot of theology. And that's Paul's purpose here is to give them this theology, give them confidence to stand up for Christ because they're in this unshakable relationship with God that nothing can interfere with. Nothing can separate them from the love of Christ. Nothing can shake them loose 
from being the ones that God has chosen, that what God has declared righteous. And they had the assurance that in the end judgment, it's already taken care of. And the assurance that up until that time, God will get him through life. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans.